Hello and welcome to our Big Conversation podcast. My name is Dr Laura Hill. I'm a GP and clinical chair at NHS Crawley Clinical Commissioning Group, or CCG for short. Today I'm joined by fellow GP Dr David Supple. David is clinical chair at the NHS Brighton and Hove CCG and both of our CCGs of course now form part of the wider NHS Central Sussex and East Surrey Commissioning Alliance. David, welcome. Thank you, it's a pleasure to be here. Today we are going to have our own big conversation, a conversation that really tries to look into our collective priorities for health and care across our alliance and the transformation of our local services that will be happening in the near future. David, can you tell us a little bit about where this need for change has come from? I think people listening will be aware of significant financial challenges and health and social care aren't exempt from these challenges. They really have come about because of an ageing growing population. In some ways medicine's been a victim of its own success in that complicated patients are living longer which is a good thing but clearly they have needs and we need more and more resources to look after these patients. Within that we would recognise we have to sit back and look at how we spend taxpayers money to make sure we're spending it efficiently and in a cost effective way. Overall there are increasing costs and I think we have to be um, transparent about that. I agree so I think if people were to hear about the transformation of local health and care services they could maybe initially be quite unnerved but we can probably reassure any decision is not going to be taken lightly and this sort of starts off a series of conversation I know you've done some David down in Brighton and Hove and across in Highwield Lewis and Haven CCGs around similar topics for me it's about how we really start to properly engage and involve our local populations around these difficult conversations about the reality of what we can afford we've said before the NHS can do many things but it can't necessarily do everything. So how did these conversations go down locally with your residents? I think on the whole we were very pleased. People realised it was a very important uh, conversation that we were having. They were aware that this is not simply a cost-cutting exercise or attacking the NHS in any way. It's, it's simply us having conversations to make choices about how we best fund services. It certainly wasn't a sort of um, an easy process necessarily, but I think by the end we had hopefully started discussions in, in, in a constructive way. Of course we have learned from the successes of the engagements that you've already started and we will be taking our conversation to local residents across the towns of Crawley, Horsham and Mid-Sussex through events we've named the big health and care conversation and those are going ahead over the next few summer months. I really am keen that these events give our local residents the opportunity to meet the commissioners of the services, clinical leaders and discuss the priorities for health and care as well as hear about more about the regional sustainability and transformation partnership. We need to root it in those financial challenges that we're all facing especially across Sussex and East Surrey so that the conversations we have are very honest and transparent and are about how we all collectively can contribute to the savings that we need to find while preserving the outcomes and looking more sensibly at transformation. Part of those conversations are around a programme called Clinically Effective Commissioning, which is quite an important part of that process in that we're looking at priorities that have limited clinical value for patients and therefore you could question whether there's value for money in continuing providing some of those services. What were some of the concerns from down south? 
there are concerns about whether the access will be limited, say, for people who are overweight or smokers, which has happened in other parts of the country. There mm. certainly have been discussions. And we were able to reassure people that that isn't something that we are discussing. I mean, there are some important conversations to be had within that, that the success rate of operations is higher if people are able to mm. maintain their health leading up to it. Mm. But there's not been a discussion around restricting access because of those criteria. Leading on from what you just said around effective commissioning for procedures that work, over the years research is undertaken which shows, for example, that quite a lot of knee arthroscopies, which is where a knee is examined via a small camera, are actually not necessary. So many have been done over the years in good faith by the doctors, but there's increasing evidence that they're not necessary. Any procedure has a risk. So we need to be able to say we're going to stop doing these under certain circumstances, which is not related to rationing. It simply is best practice of medicine. So David, I suppose it's important to reflect back when you're describing these sort of more difficult decisions about effective procedures and we've mentioned medicines and um, us as consumers, if you like, making the right choices about our expectations of having some of these more over-the-counter remedies prescribed, etc. The, the background to that, and we sort of started talking about it, the financial challenge for us all, and it's not just a problem for the CCGs, but as collectively as, as residents across our patch, we were talking a massive amount of money, it's almost incomprehensible, £50 million. Pounds. I know that is an amount of money that seems huge, but a great deal of work has gone on in the background to think about efficiencies, better ways of working, how we can work better as a system across providers to provide more efficiency savings. So actually to have landed at this amount of money, although it seems huge, we've still made quite a lot of progress to narrow it to this. So this is the bit where we need everybody's involvement to really make sense of what the next step is and how to close this last, although massive, amount of money. That's right. So we really need not just engagement but involvement from all of you out there to find out when and where your nearest big health and care conversation event is taking place. Please visit your local CCG website. For those of you who can't physically make one of the events, there's an online survey where you can share your views. The survey is available on both the Crawley and Horsham Mid Sussex CCG websites. Please do come and join us or talk to your local practice where they will have a patient participation group which you may want to feed into also. Moving forward, I think Laurie will agree that there really needs to be a greater emphasis on prevention where we'll all be taking an active part in maintaining our health and well-being. You raise an important point don't you David and um, you had mentioned self-care about how we invest in maintaining our own health and well-being, how we look after ourselves and our family so that we reduce any long-term effects of that on, on our health and well-being. So by caring for yourself, I suppose I mean, if you need a medicine, can you buy it over the counter? Are there other avenues of advice that, that you can source? That's right. And I think the other thing is traditionally we've perhaps been guilty of, to some extent, giving up on perhaps some elderly people thinking they can't empower themselves to do more and look after themselves and I think there's a lot of work now that that is simply not the case for a lot of people. You can empower people right across the spectrum to be empowered and look after themselves more which isn't saying the NHS isn't looking after them it's simply saying it's actually better for them. I think we need to have a fresh look at how we provide support for lots of groups. 
think you're right. So often we bang on about reducing your sugar, reducing your alcohol, stopping smoking, uh, you know, which all does contribute to better health. But what we often miss, which you're right on picking up on, particularly with our older population, is how isolation is as massive a risk factor as any of those I've mentioned, and how actually neighbourliness and connectivity can help reduce some of that can't it? I think that's right and there has been some work around making sure that any new sort of intervention ticked certain boxes including connecting with people if you set up uh, new connections it's a really powerful factor in people's psychological and physical health and I think some of it is difficult because it, it becomes you know an issue perhaps for some communities so I think we're all in it together it, it can't just be an NHS issue I think everyone needs to work together. So it goes right back doesn't it to how we all collectively value our own health and well-being to contribute actually now and in the future and there's a lot of evidence around how being more socially connected ourselves outside of the workplace and any sort of usual connections plays huge dividends to our well-being also so if you played that into how we support more isolated patients I suppose there's opportunity isn't there for us all to be a bit more neighbourly and connected and improve our own and others yes I, th- I, th- I think so the other thing we haven't mentioned I think is is the important role of pharmacists mm. who are very willing and capable of seeing probably more patients than they do and we're working as GPs increasingly closely with pharmacists and mm. there's very good links if a pharmacist feels concerned or feels you need to see a doctor that will happen so it's a safe service. So as well as trying to care for ourselves better there's also the about making the best choices when we do need to quite rightly access health advice or support and there's a number of places that I always trying to promote uh, people think about before picking up the phone to their GP or thinking about um, attending accident emergency for example both services as frontline which should be kept for those who really need them. There's NHS Live Well pages, which are a good resource about health and wellbeing. Then, like you say, seeing the pharmacist at the first sign of a problem, if that's uh, appropriate. Using the one-on-one advice and advice online at nhs.uk to really ensure you look at getting the right care faster and in the right place, freeing up those vital frontline services for those who really need them. It comes back to my point in a sense that we're all in this together. So patients who can look after themselves to some extent. Firstly, it's better for your health if you can look after yourself. And secondly, it does free up time and resources for people who are less able to look after themselves. So I think that is a really fundamental part of it. There's no doubt about it. These are financially challenging times. But I hope and I like to think we are all individually doing our collective and absolute best to think about these challenges together. Open invitation, please, to everybody to participate in our big health and care conversation and to encourage others too and to also encourage more conversations in your homes and networks around caring for yourself better and making the best choices when you need to. Do look out please for my next column in the Crawley Observer at the end of June and of course our next podcast too. You can download our podcast in iTunes where you'll be able to subscribe and receive future ones as well. Thank you David for your participation today and thank you all for listening.